Welcome to Drop Everything Podcast number 58. I'm your host, Dan Holzman. Before we go any further, let's thank our engineer, Karen Holzman. I never thank her enough, and without her, these podcasts would not be possible. Also, without our main sponsors, let's thank them right now. The IJA, International Jugglers Association. Information about this great group of jugglers can be found at juggle.org. This podcast is kind of long, so let's get right into it and meet the one and only Judy Finelli. Welcome to Drop Everything Podcast. We have a special guest and a special episode because once again, we're on location. We're in, uh, what'd you call this? We call this El Cerrito, California. Richmond. Richmond, California. Thank you for the correction. At the home of Judy Finelli. And first, let me wish you a happy birthday, Judy. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Happy 29th birthday. Oh, yeah. And, uh, no, it is terribly strange to be 70. It's quite a milestone. So, so this, so it was actually, what, yesterday, wasn't it? Your it 70th was. birthday. Wow. It was, I know. Well, that's interesting because looking back, you kind of cover sort of this whole, not all of the IGA and sort of that historical period of juggling. But if we right. look back at the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, all the way up into the current moment, you certainly had a part in it. You've been aware of it. So we'll get into all of that. But first, let's start with the humble beginnings of Judy Finelli. Judy, were you always in the Bay Area? Where were you born? I was born in Jackson Heights, Long Island. Jackson Heights, Long Island. All right. And did you have brothers and sisters? Yes, I've got still an older brother, Jack, and uh, he wa- was 12 when I was born. Oh, so he's 12 years older. That's your only sibling? or? Yeah. Wow. 12 years older. Because I have a, a brother and sister. They're all within, like, like my brother is 57, mm-hmm. and I'm 56, and my sister is 59. So we're all within like three or four uh-huh. years. So my mother just sort of uh, got it all done quickly. Well, actually, my mom was pregnant twice between us, but she had two miscarriages. So, so but she, she tried one more time. One more time, and she finally she finally said, "Okay, right. I got my little girl," and that was uh, you were sort of uh, I don't want to say uh, a late life uh, child. Uh, well, slightly. Slightly. So would you, were you very close with your brother? Did he go away to school, or would you I remember him? I was very close with him. And is he in the Bay Area? Where does he live? New York, New York. Still in New York, New York. Yeah, and he uh, was my best friend. Growing up, it was me and him against our crazy parents. What made them crazy? <laughs> were they... Because they were a child of their time, so were they, were they depression they children? Were, or? They were, yeah. My dad um, was born in Boston, but his parents came from Italy, and um, their names were Isavani and Luisa, and in their upbringing, they were very strict with my dad, but I guess he liked that. He went to business school, and during the Depression, he actually had a job as an accountant. He was very proud of that fact. My grandfather, Isvani, made writing habits, and he actually made all the writing habits for the Kennedys. The writing habits, so those are the, the outfits you'd right, wear? Right, yeah. 
you'd wear while you were horseback, equestrian? Right, right. And interestingly enough, he didn't need a pattern. He could look at someone, draw the pattern, cut it out, and it would fit. But there was no circus or any kind of show business in your in your past or that you no. know of? No? So you were sort of a first generation. Right. My mom um, was from a farm in rural West Virginia. And her mom emigrated here from Ukraine. And her dad deserted the family when the mom became pregnant. So my, my mom didn't have a natural dad, but she had this terrible stepfather. A terrible stepfather. She had crazy parents, a terrible stepfather. So the beginnings are, are difficult for Judy. She ran away from home. Yeah. Uh, and went to New York, and she had not much education, so she worked as a hat check girl in the night club in Brooklyn. I don't think we have hat check girls anymore. <laughs> that was like the coat girl, like she would come and get your hat. I know. Men used to always wear hats, didn't they? Right, and she sold cigarettes. Right, cigarettes, cigars, that kind of thing. Right, and she loved show business, but she wasn't in show business. Right. But she was able to work in nightclubs. So yeah. did she see jugglers and other performers? Oh, yeah. She saw a lot of people. And, of course, she admired the singers right. and the dancers. And she loved going to the movies. She was lively. So did you grow up loving show business through her? I think so. Did you always want to be in show business? Or did you have other mm. things when you were a kid? Well, it was interesting. I want to get back my brother because he figured prominently he wanted a baby brother so when my mom got pregnant he was hoping for a brother and when i came out at first he was bumped out but he thought he would not let this deter him so he had me out in the backyard playing catch when i was five four actually and I batted right hand, left hand. I had the thrown catch, right hand and left hand. And without my brother, I wouldn't have gotten that kind of quasi ambidexterity. Because when I came around trying to juggle, it was pretty easy. And where did you did you where did you first see juggling, or where do you remember on first TV. seeing it? You saw it on TV. So was that with the Ed Sullivan or yeah. something like that? Do you remember the name of the juggler by any chance? Wow. I do not. So I found out recently the first guy I ever saw, because I, I didn't know for a long time, I don't I don't think it was David Kane who told mm. me, but I found out later it was Bobby Sandler. He was the first oh, one I well, ever saw. Oh, that was 60. Yeah, that was, but that was the first I saw. He was my student. He was your student, Bobby Sandler. And Bobby's. In New York City. And then why you? Oh, see, there you go. Well, we'll get, we'll get, we'll get yeah, back to that. That's very yeah. interesting. So you were so you said you were sort of a tomboy and you had this sort of natural ambidextry. Yeah, I, I loved playing with objects, throwing things around. If there was a skill toy, I was all about that. I had kendama when I was. You had the kendama. Kid. I had two. Yeah. I did one in each hand. Okay. I did the wheelow. The we, I don't know if the wheelow could be class, classified as a skill toy. The wheel is the wheel on the track that you kind of go. Even though if you see the slinky nowadays. No, but if you do it fast. I guess. I mean, if you do it with one hand you while you're can, doing yeah, three rings with the I other or something. I did the other. Right. And and I also did hula hoop. 
even though it wasn't like heavy like the hooper today use. Yeah, they do some crazy stuff. I watch a lot of hooping on, on Facebook. I love that stuff. I do too. I don't know if it's as something you could do, market like juggling. I mean, as far as the flowing style. Because you do see a lot of... The, my favorite hooper is probably Matt Plendel, the super hooper. Oh, God, he's fabulous. So you see like two different styles. There's definitely a style of performance hooping. Yeah. And there's a style more of like, I guess you'd call hoop dancing. Well, he's flashy. He's flashy. Yeah. You know, and everything is timed for the most dramatic impact. He's worked on his speed. That's a good act to look at if, if people are... fast. Yeah, he's fast. He also has good expression. Right, right. He was actually in the very first show that we did in Los Angeles that we were actually seen at uh, for The Tonight Show. Oh, wow. It was, and he was also seen and uh, appeared on The on Tonight Show as well. Oh, uh, okay. At that very same time. Because he, he was a pro. Yeah, I love his act. Yeah, I think he started, he, he won some hula hoop tournament when he was like 12 years old and was on the Dinah Shore show. Oh, wow. So that was way, way back. Oh, no. Also, I loved Yo-Yo. Oh, Yo-Yo. And we, I had one in each hand. So you could do one in each hand? I learned all that stuff. And did you ever see the Duncan Professionals? Did they come oh, and yeah. visit? Always, yeah. yeah. So that used to be a thing. The, the Duncan Professionals would it come to toy stores. big deal. Yeah. I actually saw one of the last guys who did that came to a toy store near me. And he had a book. And once again, I don't remember his name. But I always thought the Yo-Yo, I always got bummed out when the string would get either tangled oh, up or up. fouled up and then you'd be like okay now you just have a kind of a, a, a useless thing in your in your drawer now when you when you yeah, saw I juggling my new ones by string yeah I, it just it just seemed too too fickle for me yeah, yeah. i saw this guy recently in the in the airport he came up to me i was juggling uh my tennis balls in a can and he was doing his yo-yo mm-hmm. so he felt a kinship because he saw me doing something He's like, hey, nice tennis balls. I go, nice yo-yo. Is that a uh, one of the bearing yo-yos? Because nowadays you can get them to sleep forever. Oh, I know. And he goes, right. yeah, but I'm just really good. I'm like, well, okay, all right. You know, oh, that's let's see. I'm glad you're you're comfortable with your yo-yo skills. So. Oh well, well, I loved yo-yo, but I didn't see any other female yo-yo people. No other kids in your school were, were you know, no girls were into the yo-yo. No, and. They were into doing bouncing and clapping. Bouncing and clapping. Games with balls. But they weren't into doing what I liked, which was in kindergarten I learned how to braid hair. And one day when I was six in the summertime, I thought, wait a minute, braid hair, wreath strand. I could take three tennis balls, throw one up, the other kids running hands that tell you juggle when i was six i thought that up so did you put that into practice did you I learn how to juggle it that day yeah i could juggle my brother is very right-handed so he tried to do the shower right and guess who got farther well you did because of your natural yeah. ambidextrous nature yeah, yeah. and your braiding hair ability right and so i walked across the room to the other wall and then i turned around and walked back the other way because you'd also seen juggling on tv so you had a kind of a basic idea but you hadn't seen a female juggler you didn't see like lottie brunn or eva vita no no not yet i saw them on international showtime so that was the early beginnings so from then after you learned 
Did it become a hobby of yours to juggle? My parents were not impressed. Okay, so you were not encouraged? No, they thought it was unladylike. And they, I was not encouraged. No one I ever met knew about it. No one told me about IJA. So there I was with what I considered a useless skill. Nowhere to go. And I went to high school in the Midwest at New Trier High School. It's a very good high school in Winnetka, Illinois. And I, there I was cast in a mime show. So I, I got to wear a white face and do all the illusion mimes, you know, all kinds of different things with the rest of the cast. Uh, it was Bud Beyer, Erwin Beyer, who taught the class, and his dad was the guy, one of the guys who wrote the first circus technique curriculum for schools in America, the V5 gymnastics book. Was there any juggling in the show? Or, I mean, no, no. So it was just a mime show? You learned all the illusions, the yeah, walking against the wind stuff. and climbing ladders and right, invisible all that, walls. All so you had some juggling, you had some mm -hmm. mime skills? Right. And then I went to NYU because in high school and in grade school I was in plays and musicals I sang. And I wanted to be an actor. So I went to theater school. NYU had a new school opening and I wanted in and I got accepted and I was there with a lot of talented people, people who got work in the profession. Mary Beth Hurt. Mm -hmm. Mary Beth Hurt, the actress? Yeah, she's a good actress. She was one of your classmates? Yeah, and uh, I'm thinking if there was anyone else famous. Actually, the more famous, well, maybe the actor Frankie Faison. Frankie Faison. From years ago. Don't don't know that name, I don't a think. A black actor, very good. Um, Rhett Scott was in the Leroy Jones Slave Ship production that was very highly critically acclaimed. And later, actually, I taught at Juilliard. You taught and, at Juilliard. Yeah, and Huffy did too. And uh, Robin Williams. Yeah, he went to Juilliard. Was in our class. Oh, he did. But you've sort of jumped ahead, because that, is that where you met Hubby? Was at New York University? Yeah, then why you right. Uh, I walked into what was called and misspelled a corcus class. Oh, so it wasn't a circus class, it was a corcus <laughs> class. That was at C-O-R... But you knew what it was. The corcus. So it was part of the three-ring corcus. So this is, this is New York in the early 70s, so yeah. you have some no, juggling. No, no, late 60s. Oh, late, late 60s. So you have some juggling, you have some mime skills, you walk in, you're right. in New York University, and you meet, we're talking Hubby Burgess. Am I saying his, his last yeah, name correctly? Burgess. Burgess. And so... And uh, this class, I understood right from the beginning. He gave me a cue stick, asked me to balance it. I put it in the palm of my hand. And I didn't have to move. It was just vertical. I could balance it on my chin. And then when it came to juggling, I just picked it up. So you I felt you felt like right away. That's nice. You went in the class. You thought I got this one. I got home. <laughs> I got I this got one. I got home. Yeah. There you go. And he did my imitations of different animals. He had great feet, and that was the reason probably I developed a crush on. 
with the feet. They're, they're overrated. I mean, underrated the feet because, you know, I've met Hubby. I've met him a few times. I've never noticed his feet. But he just, he recently retired. They're not great anymore. Well, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't seen them. I saw him. He was actually at the, the, the convention, the, the IJ Festival in 2017. We actually had a nice dinner right. together. He says so at the university, he, he retired from just last year. He taught yeah. there this whole time. And that's New York University. Right. Because he taught one of the first circus classes. The first. The first. And um, his book was called uh, Circus... Techniques. Circus Techniques, yeah. Because that was one of the only books I had. I had that and, and I had the juggling book the by photos. Carlo. You did the photos. For Circus Techniques. You took the photos. So I still remember the photos of him. He was wearing some kind of like, gray sweatsuit. Well, it wasn't... It wasn't very flattering, I have it to say. Gray. <laughs> no. It just wasn't in color. It wasn't in color, but it sort of came across. They were like, red, and yeah. And Jane Herman was the female model. I remember thinking he didn't look that circusy, which I which I liked because I thought, oh, because I never wanted to be like when I was coming up. The only thing there was was the uh, Ringling Brothers Clown College. I never wanted to be a uh-huh. clown, so I didn't want to wear the makeup and do the skits and things yeah. like that. Right. Right. I always sort of associated the circus and juggling with like with clowns, and then when I saw his book, I thought, oh, here's a guy just sort of approaching it like an athletic kind of discipline almost, because he's sort of dressed like an athlete. That's what that's how right. I took it. And yeah. then he had some foot juggling in there, and he had some you know acrobatics techniques. He had learned at the FSU um, circus program, which is an after school program. Yeah, they had quite a good program. So that's one other one I'd heard of. That's the Florida. But Florida State. Yeah, university. But it was all extracurricular, not for credit. Oh, so that was just an after-school activity. Right. Not, and not everyone an official was, class. Everyone was proud to say they were a economics major and they were a circus star. Circus star slash economics major. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Nobody thought of being a circus star to pay the bills. They were all on the course no, to become... No, because they were all foreign-like. Flying guy, Gowana, as is. Right. As Ed Sullivan famously called them. Were they, were they the first one to do the quadruple, the flying guanas? I think they were. No, no, the flying, no. flying guy, Onas. Uh, Ed mispronounced the name of the act on TV. No, they only did a triple. Triple? Although Tito probably could have done it. He was a truly great flyer. That's, was that something you ever tried? Did you ever try the flying trapeze? No, I didn't. I was never in a place where it was taught. Some people look at me and they say I should have done that because of my physique. but Oh, oh because you're a good size. No, because of the, my muscularity. Oh. <laughs> but, uh, you, don't, you, you just need to be... You're trim. You could have done it. I could have done it, but I, I stuck with juggling. Oh, yeah. Now, when you met Hubby, so you're in his class, and then uh, how long before, because you, you were oh, married? Oh, man. No, not while I was in school. Not while you were in school, because he was your no, instructor. and, man, I learned things quick. Right. One month I was doing four balls. Another month I flashed five. You know, all of the five is a little harder, so it took me a while to perfect Five, but I could do three clubs pretty soon. Three rings, three clubs, four rings. I learned four clubs, and later I did learn five, although not real well. But my you could you could wrist, qualify it. You could get more than. Well, my wrists 
were problematical. Your wrists. If you look at my wrists, they're tiny. Right. And we were passing 9010 fiberglass club. I was wearing wrist uh, straps. Were those the Stu Reynolds clubs? Yeah. Those are heavy. Yeah. Right. We were, we were half. That must those. have hurt. I mean, the 9 and 10, I mean, you know, passing 9 and 10 of those is pretty tough. I had to wear those wrist things because starting 10 with 5 and 5, man, it hurts to get that first throw. Yeah. We always oh. tried it with, uh, with triples. And then now they do what they call the double double technique, which you like to do a oh, double self. I know, self. I know. I, it's pretty. I might have liked to try that. Yeah, I think that way, if you, if you both have good command over five clubs, it's more of a natural motion. It's like both yeah, people doing five clubs. It, yeah, I think uh, yeah. the first people I saw do that was maybe the Galchenkos. I like doing the ten, but my favorite was the five. Five clubs by itself? No, I mean the, my favorite was the nine, pardon me. Doing nine clubs? You do nine triples? Yeah. Yeah. Because nine doubles. We could do nine doubles a little bit, me and Barry. I think we even tried nine back-to-back back a few times. Yeah, it's fast. It was fast. very fast, but 10 is very nice because not fast and the rhythm's fun. Yeah, I always thought 10 was basically, for me, was throw a, as hard as you can and as fast as you can. 10 is a gallop. I never was a good. I could do 9 no, okay, but when dum, I got to 10, dum, dum. yeah, it's very, yeah, it's very much I, like a, a, a simultaneous. I could do 9 with Stu Reynolds, too. Was Stu Reynolds the, the prop maker? Yeah, I can do nothing. Was he a pretty good juggler? I never really saw him juggle, Stu Reynolds. He was a good passer. He could do five clubs, no problem. Yeah, no problem? Right. Yeah, because I had some of his uh, bottle clubs. But he was a chemist from DuPont. Yeah, that's how he got into making the, yeah, the fiberglass he, clubs. Yeah, he had the patent on Z-Pal. He had patent on what? Z-Pal. What is that, Z-Pal? Z-E-P-E-L. So I don't know what that's that is. the waterproof coating on raincoats. Oh, well, that's be a good thing to have. Yeah, yeah. right. That probably made him a few bucks. He probably got it for other things, too. Yeah. Well, I met him a couple of times oh. at IJ uh, festivals. Now, were you aware of the IJ at this time like, when you were going oh, to, oh. to college? Uh, well, after a couple of years, Hubby took me to Rocky Hill. So the, there was an IGA festival. There Do you remember? Was a convention. Remember what number it was? Or boy, I sure don't. No, that'd be tricky. So you're talking. So it was in Connecticut. Right, Rocky Hill, Connecticut. We rented a car and drove up. And how how Stayed big were the, the Howard Johnsons? See at the Howard Johnsons. The the. That's where it was. That's a classic uh, hotel. The Howard. Jo- I don't even have any Howard Johnsons left anymore. Oh, they, they also had they always had a restaurant attached to them too, didn't they? Yeah, but they do. Now, how many people would come up to an IJ festival back in those days? Sixty-three. Sixty-three people or so. Right. Yeah. Did the guys still wear suits and ties? Oh yeah, they, some of them did. Yeah, well, they would juggle. They'd wear suits and ties. Right, and the wives would be there to the long suffering. Were you one of the, the few female wives. jugglers there at the time? Yeah. Were you and hubby like like a big hit when they saw you juggling and passing nine and ten they, clubs? Well, we didn't do that the first year. No, you were just more... We're doing uh, seven and eight. Still. Were there any, any yeah. jugglers of note you remember from your first IJA festival? Um, I, I, Bill, there was an IJA gathering in Central Park. And Francis Brun came. Francis Brun, yeah. And he became a friend. And what a nice guy. 
Was he a nice guy? I only got to meet he him was one time. A really nice guy. Yeah. Good storyteller, fun to hang he out with. He was funny. Was he? Yeah. He was very funny. Not a very tall fellow, was he? He was about, about five. My height. But you were high about five four or so? I was up five three. You're five three, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was around there. Yeah, I'm, I'm sad I never got to, to know him very well. Okay. I mean, he was a New York uh, yeah, person. Yeah, he was a cool guy. And I would watch him practice, take photos. So what was the circus scene like in the late 60s? Give us kind of a chronological look at what was going on at that time with you and hubby and the sort of the inception of the improvisational circuses he started. I think there was nothing except for Ringling Brothers or Clyde Betty Cole Brothers. Yeah, pretty commercial. Yeah, you had commercial circuses, and then suddenly Jerry Brandt and some other promoters started the Electric Circus. Hmm, I like and, the name. And that was on St. Mark's Place in New York City at the old Ukrainian dance hall called the Dom, and they renovated it, and they redid the inside and put up a white freeform circus tent. A uh, very strange, stretchy white fabric. And it was large space. They had stages and they invented the light show with the Fillmore West and the electric circus. So it was called Electric Circus because they had illuminated lights? That was part of the... Yeah, it was. In the 60s, so kind of a groovy, hippie yeah, vibe? Yeah, groovy, hippie thing. Because Fillmore West, and that's like where the Grateful Dead would, would perform? Right, and they had light shows, oil and water, petri dishes, and film loops of the acts. Abby and I were hired. He did a solo on unicycle with flaming torches to light my fire. Hmm. And he did also a solo torch routine off the unicycle. Uh, we did a club passing act together with uh, three clubs, six, seven, and eight. And we did seven back-to-back. And we did clubs with double. That's what I did in those days. We were working on nine, but we couldn't have performed. Did you ever perform nine, or was that? Were you the first first, uh, husband and wife duo, or first male and female duo to pass nine, or? I think, near as I can tell, in the area, we were the first. But we had seen nine at the Moscow Circus. Three guys, the Grachofi, did a trio. They did 12 club line. And the middle guy would drop out, and the two end guys do nine with triple. And we watched that, and we were already working on it, but he studied what they did, and it helped to see it. So we worked on it, also with triples. And it was the most fun trick that I had ever done. I like it. And nine clubs. Ten is too hard, but nine is nine is not too bad, especially with triples. Uh, t- yeah, ten. Ten's too hard. Ten's <laughs> like a gallop. Well, nowadays they do the double, like they do the double self throw. Yeah, that so gains you. it seems like two, like almost like two people doing five clubs simultaneously. Yeah, that gains you time. Yeah, but the, when you're doing the triple singles, it's really kind of like just heaving those triples up with ten. Yeah. Kind of in a, you know, you're doing it simultaneously, like a gallop, like you're saying, very simultaneously. Especially with fiberglass. 
Yeah, I never used that. I wouldn't use the fiberglass. Oh. We did use the big Todd Smith Americans, me and Barry. Oh, wow. And those aren't exactly what you'd call numbers passing clubs. Yeah, and then I had to wear wrist braces. But anyway, the electric circus, they had bands. Right. Any well-known like bands? The or Chambers Brothers. Chambers Brothers are well-known. And they had the Jefferson or Airplane. All right. That's with Grace Slick, right? Jefferson yeah, Airplane? Yeah, long ago. Yeah. And what other? Were there other jugglers, too? You said maybe, was Bobby Sandler in that troupe? No, not no. there. But he was a student of Hubby's. Yeah, but, I mean, I, oh, I did an interesting ball juggling routine. I came out as a nun. Okay. To Gregorian chant. And then suddenly the music would change. It would be the Beatles singing Eleanor Rigby. And I juggled. That sounds very 60s. As a nun. <laughs> and in order to get the nun's headdress, we went to a religious apparel store and we lied to them. We said, we're doing a production of Cradle Song and we need a nun's habit. And they said, that's fine, although they did look at us funny. That's a strange idea, juggling as a nun. And uh, that was Larry. <laughs> Larry's idea. Oh, yeah, Larry Fazzoni from the Pickle family? Well, no, that was later. Yeah, yeah, but that's he went on to do that. Right. He had worked as a laborer building electric circuits, became the follow spot operator, and then he directed the show. So he worked his way up. He filled the space with like nine foot weather balloons. And it was like all these huge balls everywhere you looked. And he would do all these wild ideas. And he and I did an act in which I was a tap dancer. He was a gorilla and we had cream pies and we would each try to trick the other. But I was the only one that hit by a pie. He always escaped, and I always got the pie. So you're a ta so he was a gorilla, and you were a tap dancer. Right. You're also a juggling nun, and these are the right. '60s. Right. Were there were there psychedelics involved? I have to ask. Oh yeah. There were. Not we have to tell the kids no, that don't do lights, psychedelics. Lights. Oh like, yeah, psychedelic lights. That's what we're right. talking about. That's and, fun though. That's those are fun I ideas. Another idea, Larry's idea for a song was the Beatles song, Your Mother Should Know. Mm -hmm. And I came out in a ruffled blouse, long skirt with bloomers and sat in a cradle with my leg in the air with bloomers and did a foot juggling act. And I foot juggled, juggled three balls and that was a fun act. And I did it in strobe light. That's hard, juggling strobe light. Well, you know, I did that twice with the Osmani family. Right. We did the feed. I was, I didn't leave the feed. That was Ingrid, Osmani, but we did final feed in strobe light. Did you also do the trick with the plates, like where three people would face one person and everybody? No, I, I did it. And I taught the clowns. Yeah, where there's like rapid fire. Would, but. Yeah. Yeah, not too hard. I think I remember the Osmani sisters doing that one. Similar idea, were we? I saw them with Circus Fargus. Did you tour with them in the circus? Yeah. So you were an Osmani sister? Yeah, I was. Oh, I didn't know that. How long were you one of the Osmani sisters? I was a Dutch girl. Right? With long legs, right? The, the eye. Because all the Osmani sisters were very tall, 
Dutch well, women? No, actually. No? Ingrid, who was the leader of the act, was my height, although she looked taller. Well, they wore very traditional circus yeah, showgirl wore, costumes. I wore um, platform heels, spray-painted silver. We had sparkly costumes. And I'd walk by the full-length mirror and look at my padding and my false eyelashes, false hair, and say, there's got to be a better way to make a living. Because it was fun for a few weeks, and then it was not so much fun. I said that very many times with Barry. I'd be in the uh -huh. look in the mirror and look at the false eyelashes and the padding and say, what am I doing? Where's my life going? That must have been fair. Like I say, it's fun for a couple. People don't realize that. Yeah, a lot of people want to be professional jugglers. And it's fun for a few weeks. Then it becomes a job. I guess if I had gone to Las Vegas like they wanted me to and made 50000 a year, which was what I was told I'd make. I might have liked it, although probably would have married Big Vinny from Las Vegas. Big Vinny, yeah. That's probably part of the deal. You get to be right. in Vegas, 50000 but you have to marry Big Vinny, the pit boss. Right. So, but you didn't go to Vegas. You didn't want to go to Vegas no. and do the whole showgirl Vegas no, thing? I really found it boring. I said to them, why don't we do a comedy act? But we keep knocking over the prop table, hmm. and and we would laugh about it. And I said, "Don't you see? You're laughing. People would think it was funny." And they said, "No, they didn't want to go for it." So I went with Pickle Family. Because their act couldn't have been very challenging for you. It was a pretty simple act. It wasn't really. It was. It was five balls, four balls, um, a balance with spinning rings on the arm. Uh, club passing, which... They remember a lot of club stealing, too. They did a I lot of club stealing. Yeah, I could have done the act in my sleep. Yeah, it was like one of those sort of picturesque three three women yeah, showgirl it, types. But it was pretty uh, simple, basic juggling when you got down to it. Right, I think that the novelty was there were three of us goyles. Yeah. And that was cute, or considered cute. You know, I heard somebody say, Look at them legs. Yeah, that's kind of what I remember. Of course, I remember seeing the Osmonds when I was like maybe 13 or 14 in that kind of period of time where, you know, the showgirl outfit was quite memorable. When it was cold down in Texas, we wore flesh-colored tights and leotards and the fishnets, and I still froze. Yeah, it's hard to juggle when you're cold, too. Oh, God, my hands. Yeah. Yeah, me and Barry one time worked in Texas, and people in Texas can be cold. There was an amusement park, and we used to huddle in the bathroom, and oh. they had one of those hand dryers, you know, the warm air hand dryers. Yeah, we, just before the show, we'd be like going, ah, because our hands would be so cold. I remember I got, that's the only time I ever got tendonitis, because we were doing like three or four shows a day, a very long club passing routine. So uh, the act was easy. Yeah. Because our hands were like ice. Yeah. And we had to do it without feeling. So anyway, what else? Well, who else did you know in that time in the, the circus? Elect, well, the elect. Because you that was time, like, did you the see Philippe Petit and Francis Brun and people like that? Were those that your... That was a little... A little bit later? Well, let's see, earlier I met Francis, but later Philippe came to town because he wanted to walk the World Trade Center. But at the electric circus, 
We had an early performance artist, Chris Wimmer, who like sat on his side and put a chair and table on their side, so it looked like he was sitting at a table sideways. <laughs> and that was an act. So he, he was sitting at a table sideways, and that was his act? Okay. <laughs> and, and then we had a mime, Michael Grando. He was a good mime. He rolled a huge joint, and then mime passed it around mm. to the audience, and they loved that. Of course, you mean joint, the, the English term for a, a big piece of meat, right? Like they cooked the... No. We might cut that part out. I don't know how much drug references we can make in an IGA podcast. But no, no. This it was imaginary. This was the late 60s. Late 60s, yeah. So let's, let's put it in context. Back. Exactly. He's a mime. And so backstage, the uh, acts brought in the drugs, which being a juggler, I could not partake of very easily. Uh, and, you know, I met some okay people. But you're saying there were drugs in the circus? That's hard to believe, Judy. In the electric circus. In, any, in the 60s? No, at the electric. At the electric circus, I see. But in general, I don't. I find the the circus to be kind of a very athletic place. It's very difficult to sort of. Right, you can't. No. Although, if you're in Poland, where there's no such thing as alcoholism. Right. Okay. Everyone smashed at all times. In the circus, they tend to drink. We had a guy in the pickle family circus. Richard Ostrowski, and he was doing a triple off the teeter board, totally flout. <laughs> okay. You know, I mean, different yeah. cultures have different attitudes. I guess if you grow up, and that's your experience, if you're used to it. It doesn't feel... It seems dangerous, though, to, to combine difficult acrobatics with drinking. It too, but somehow everyone saved his life. Well, I mean, you think about circus life and living in the trailer and, and sort of the community aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And you think partying and, you know, a party atmosphere goes along with it after the shows. Okay. And that's kind of the way it is with street performers and performers in but general. There's a, a party way. atmosphere. Wasn't that way in Vargas? No. People did visit with one another, but there was no party. More of a family type of vibe? Yeah, too big to be a family, but... Clifford Vargas was a very nice man, very nice guy. I liked him. Mm. Um, and at the electric circus, you see people had never seen circus acts up close. So I'd come out in my nun's cap, and this guy, I remember he looked at me. He said, are you a real nun? Oh, my God. <laughs> he thought I was a real nun. But I couldn't be. I should have said yes, but I I didn't. I smiled. Yeah. Then they were excited seeing juggling up that close and seeing the aerial act done by the Hell's Angel guy from the Aliens motorcycle gang. Because the Aliens were the bouncers in the electric circus. A motorcycle gang was the bouncers? A motorcycle. Who also did an aerial act? The president. Mm. Sounds like a wild scene, Judy. He's a tragic <laughs> clown. And I remember that after that, Hoppy decided to form a troupe, and it was called the Circo dell'Arte. So we each dressed like commedia characters, 
and it was like an itinerant improvisational circus troupe. So we all juggled, we all tumbled, we all balanced, we walked on stilts, we played music and percussion for one another. We played recorders. We were a ragtag, fun-loving bunch. A group with a dream. Yeah, uh, and we, again, people loved seeing all the circus stuff. Up close, they were excited that the circus could do that, can do that, can impress people. And speaking and of was, speaking of love, why do you love circus performers? What, what draws you to juggling in the circus? Yeah, is, is there I something do, that always brings you back to it? I do love circus for performers. I don't think they're fake innocent. I think they know about life, they're aware of things, but I think they have an innocence to them in as much as they're choosing to do something that they believe will make the world a better place or a more entertaining place. So there's a kind of purity to the circus performer, an innocence, uh, a guilelessness, um, if that makes sense. Well, I think circus takes place in its own reality. Yeah. Like, it's, it's something that's almost... Like you said, there's an innocence to it that it doesn't really necessarily take place in the world of politics or the world of sports right. or war. Right, it can be above that. Yeah, it could be above it. The idea is, I'm going to create something beautiful right. that exists purely as, as a moment of wonder and, and, right. and inspiration and merriment and, yeah. and joy. Yeah. And there's very few things in the world that just have that purpose. I'm going to practice and focus my life to create... An act. A few moments of yeah. beauty. Yeah, to create an act, like you know, like Victor Key and or somebody, joy. who's, or, or Chris Cremo, whose whole life has been devoted to creating an act right. of juggling or whatever your act is going to be, that you're going to show to people around the world to hopefully, and, you know, bring joy and wonder. And it goes beyond language and beyond nationality, beyond all that stuff. You just break free of all that. I guess you could say something similar for ballet, but it's still different, I don't think. People realize how difficult it is to have that act that breaks through. You know, some people are fortunate in the Navy. They just have a great idea that's clever, and maybe it doesn't take that much difficulty, but other people study seven, eight, nine years to get their act and there's what virtue and virtuosity i don't know it, yeah it does it changes you well there's also the danger element i mean certain acts of course in addition to being extremely difficult yeah are dangerous every time you go out there to perform them like look at russian bar or right. certainly uh, an act like the Willendas or, or yeah anytime you go out could be your last performance well that's where in juggling we don't quite have that type of we have ego have risk that. Like our ego can be hurt, and maybe we might, you know, suffer a. I think the worst injury I've ever heard is maybe a detached retina, you know, a club hitting someone in the eye or well, something. Well, you know, there's a platform, it's rigged out high above the ring, and there's a juggler who performs on it, but I don't think he performs anymore. I heard of one person dying right. with a bowling ball accident where they were going to catch a bowling oh, ball no. uh, on the back of their neck. 
and oh, somehow caught wrong. it wrong. This is way back in the, you know, I think I read Long about it. Ago. Yeah, in one of the history books. So, but in modern times, oh god, that's all. Even with the chainsaw juggling, even though I did hear about a chainsaw juggler who hit him in the leg, like he actually used a running chainsaw with the, the blade actually spinning, and he hit him in the leg and, oh. and he hit an artery. I think it was in a, a circus oh. archaeos. I read about that Our years chaos? ago. Is that is that the name of it? Our chaos? Yeah. And he hit himself in the leg and, and almost died, almost bled out. Oh, shit. Well, because most chainsaw jugglers, you know, I don't want to give it away, but uh, the blade actually isn't spinning. I mean, the motor might be running. I know, I know. But to actually have spinning blades yeah, where you, you've it taped it down. noise. Yeah, you want it to make the noise and be, and be smoky. But, but you don't have the blade. No. When the blade's actually spinning, any mistake... Because you can imagine how easy it could swing down and hit you in the leg God, or, or, or come back and hit you in the, God forbid, the chase or ch- fa- face or chest. or Yeah. Poor choice book. Yeah, but you know it is. Uh, some people feel like they're they're invincible. And, and that idea of I'm actually going to do real chainsaws is a pretty gutsy, exciting thing to do. But yeah. uh, he paid the price for it. I don't oh. think he died, but he certainly made the news that he had badly injured himself and almost wow. died. So, Because most juggling, as the way I like to do it at least, is very uh, very safe. I've never really had any major injuries, I don't think, as a juggler. No, I knocked my tooth in the front. I had have a root canal. Oh, did you? Knocked and it out or just hit it? Just hit it. Yeah. And then I was doing a Chinese-style Diablo routine, and it came down. I caught it, but it buzzed my thumb, and I had to go into the club passing act, and I'm juggling these clubs. I look down, and there's blood all over them, and I'm passing them, and the Diablo had cut my thumb, and I'm juggling, and everyone has blood all (laughs) over their hands, and we got through the act, but that was not my best day. I don't think I've ever had any bloody hands juggling. We did one show one time where it was so windy, we had to uh, wrap the clubs in tape. Whoa. We were doing the show on a beach one time for spring break for MTV. You need to make them heavier. Yeah, because we we had brought those, once again, those American Todd Smith clubs, which weren't great in the wind, because they had right. told us they were going to be wind blocks. Like they were going to put up sides yeah, on the stage. And we got out there and it was it was gusting. So the, uh-huh. the clubs would really would move... By the time you threw them across to your partner, they'd actually move. They'd be physically, you know, two or three feet yeah, away. So right. we tried to wrap them up in, in uh, uh, tape backstage to give them some weight. Yeah. We weren't successful. No. I remember right when we got out there, uh, this was a bad sign. Right when we hit the stage, there's a guy, it was a spring break crowd, so they're very rowdy. He holds up a dollar. Right when we got on stage, he goes, I'll give you this if you'll stop right now. Because you suck! <laughs> and there's apples flying at us and stuff. Not one of our, once again, like you and the bloody clubs, not one of our proudest moments. So. Yeah, and the Bagel Family Circus, when I was in it, did the halftime entertainment at Candlestick. Mm, okay, Candlestick Park. And we ran out there in a Force 10 gale. And it was so windy, we started to juggle. The wind picked up all the clubs and deposited them 50 feet away. So there was no way we could do it. Yeah, that's when you want to be a bowling ball juggler. Yeah, right. Because we had a bowling ball skit, and we had we known, that would have been the choice to make. Yeah, that's right. They chose wrong. Because juggling outdoors 
can be a very, we can be very, very risky yeah. proposition. So what we did in the Chirico was eight to 12 people would come out, we'd do the music, and we'd start the show, and we'd do sound effects for everybody. And we did acrobatics and balancing, juggling, club passing, jumping through hoops, uh, two highs. Yeah, nowadays, I guess, it was rudimentary circus, but maybe a high beginner, low intermediate, you know, to be honest, but people hadn't seen. Well, like you said, and to be that close, and yeah. the only circus you've seen is like Circus Vargas or, or Ringling yeah, Brothers, to see a, a circus with more of a youthful, you know, different energy. We were kids, exactly. And obviously, we were very happy to be doing it. And I think the audience responded to that. And so I think the electric circus and the Chirco stripped circus down and got it away from the trappings and the glitz of Ringling. It didn't have anything to do with the special effect or with the glitter. These were the real tricks, and we did them for people. They enjoyed that, and they enjoyed watching. I think that set the stage for the new circus movement, and I think that Cirque du Soleil came to see us, and they learned from the Pickle Family Circus. They learned from what we did in the late 60s and 70s, and they, they got a lot more money from Canada, and that's how they were successful. They started with a million, million and a half dollars, and I couldn't have done that. Neither could Larry, can you? Yeah, a million and a half dollars with the Pickup Family Circus. So basically, now that the Cirque du Soleil, they sold it for like a billion dollars recently. They owe you some money, you're saying. They should reach back and give Judy Finelli and Hubby Burgess. No, no, I think they should give Larry and Peggy, who founded Pickles. Mm -hmm. Peggy Snyder. I think that people need to have a concept for their act. They need to have an image in their mind of what they're going for. Maybe it doesn't have to be there 100%. But you need something to go on. Can't just um, kind of aimlessly learn stuff. Well, um, if I was a new juggler and said, I'm going to be a club juggler, I'd be like, no. Yeah. Or I'm going to be a ball juggler or a ring juggler. I'd be yeah, like, no. It would be hard. It's just too hard. There's, the level is too high. Right. And you're competing with people doing basically the same exact thing to some right. degree. All right, to sum up, Judy, oh, who would you say is your number one juggler? Like, if you had, like me, it's always Chris Cremo just because. Uh-huh. He's the one I, I saw first and who I just love his style. Well, I'd say. You can't say me. It depends on. You can't say Dan Holzman. It depends on what mood I'm in. Okay, let's say comedy jugglers who used to be in the Raspini Brothers. No. <laughs> Maybe I have to set you up on that. Well, I mean, for me, comedy jugglers to me, it's Michael Davis. That's a pretty oh, easy yeah, one. Michael Davis makes me laugh. Well, but also he sort of set the template for what the modern comedy juggler is. He's got. An interesting sense of timing, which is really good. Yeah, the deadpan, oh, good look, you know, good, good, uses, uses facial yeah. expressions well. Great use of timing. Right, and it's what, it's the pauses. 
before he delivers the line. Oh, so I think he has the ability to milk yeah. the material, the comedy potential out of an act. Right, right. Like he does one with uh, a you know a chicken breast, right. a, a ball of butter, and a big wad of bread, and he brings up a volunteer. They, all, they each juggle the three objects, and then the yeah. volunteer catches the butter on his head, on, on the volunteer's oh. head. But man, that's a, like a 10, 15 minute routine. I know. And he just packs it with laughs. And that's that's a hard skill to do. Oh, God. To sort of get all the comedy out of out of, out of a skit like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So, then artistic jugglers, I would say, Victor Key is awfully strong. He's very good. Because he has that combination of the look. And I like Florent. Florent Lestage? I like him. Yeah, he has a good youthful energy. He does the oh, act with the clubs there. and the cane. He and his, oh, I don't know if it's his wife. Marianne, uh, I can't remember. I don't know. She's funny. She's got an act like George Carl mm. with Hula Hoop. I like to see that. In which everything goes wrong. Yeah, George Carl always got tangled up in the mic cord. And, and she gets tangled up in her Hula Hoop, her skirt, her hair. Very funny. And they're going to be, hopefully, if they get the immigration, Flynn Creek Circus. Oh, that's our local circus. Yeah, I love the immigration letter. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I hope so, because we brought him out for an IJ one time. He was a very nice young man. He's very nice. He was young. I remember bringing him out. He was like 17 or 18. He is young. And I thought, wow, I didn't realize he was quite that young when yeah, I brought him out. Yeah. He did a great job, though. I remember he ended up uh, headlining, I think, that right, year. Right, right. At the IJA. But juggling is a hard sell. I like that guy. What's his name? The Russian guy who does 12. Oh, yeah. Kublikov? Alexander Kublikov? He's the, he's the drunk sailor? very engaging. Yeah, I, I hope I'm not getting his name wrong. I think it's Kublikov. Kublikov, yeah. Yeah, I love his characterization. He's, he's another deadpan performer. I know. He did like a 10-ball pirouette, the 10-ball multiplex, Shit. all 10 up. Yeah. You see some crazy stuff on, on, on YouTube now. I saw a guy today on a giraffe with a big high balance doing five clubs. Oh. On a giraffe with a balance and five clubs. Wow. That's tough. You have guys doing that same trick with a, a ring on the leg, too. It's crazy right. stuff. Is he Russian? I don't know. It was just from a circus school. Yeah, the Russians are doing some amazing stuff still. Always. They always do. It just seems like the market's getting less and less, and there's you know the number yeah. of performing uh, venues available is becoming less. Yeah, I think, as you said, the uh, cruise ships are dwindling. Yeah. And then Steve Wynn, I wonder what will happen to his casinos well yeah he had to resign from his position as ceo yeah yeah i don't know i mean vegas has changed so much from the days you'd see eight or nine jugglers now you have corporate yeah now you don't you see more shows corporate mafia yeah it's i don't know it's an interesting time in juggling they're always going to be people doing it for the hobby of it for the love of it but for the performing career of yeah. it it always changes and you, there's yeah. always some people who can make a go of it but i think it's getting harder and harder yeah Let's get back to hubby because we're, we're still on we're still oh, on yeah, husband number yeah, one right. in the in the Judy <laughs> Finelli romantic saga. So you're with hubby and now you're you're, you're a, a team. Now you but you became the in pretty much involved with the IJ as as first as secretary yeah. then as as president. What made you want to be so so deeply involved with the IJA? Well, I enjoyed the conventions where you would juggle nonstop. Stay up all night. Those were the days. Mm -hmm. I was young enough to do that. So, yeah, I always wanted to be the first one there in the morning, the last one to leave at night. I was. Oh yeah, well, except we never left. You never. <laughs> I left at least. 
I wasn't I wasn't that crazy. I would leave and it at a certain like, time. People would do a really funny thing. People would play jokes on each other. You know, it was a real homey sort of atmosphere. People would kid each other. Everyone knew everybody. And it was funny. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously as it grew, it gets not, not less personal, but you can't know everybody. When it's like 60 people, you really no. can know everybody. Right, right. So you said, okay, I'm going to become president. So you were president in the early 70s. And you organized a festival during that time? Oh, or no. But it was still, the festival was still in Rocky Hill, Connecticut. Not always, no. It would move around. Yeah, and it wasn't, I think it was one West Coast done by Roger Montandon. Yeah, Roger Montandon, another early IJ. I think he was one of the founders, wasn't he, Roger Montandon, I believe. I think he was there early. Yeah. Right, and Harvey had been a member since the 50s. I think it was started in 48. Yeah, started in 48, yeah, because it's, uh, this was the 70th. That that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. The, the last year in, in Cedar Rapids was the 70th. Mm. So you were president in the early 70s. Uh-huh. And then, but then did you, you went on to have a, a career as a juggler. <laughs> right. What kind, of, what kind of work did you, did you always work with Hubby as a duo or did you also do solo stuff? Well, Hubby and I taught sometimes. And sometimes we were in shows like the famous Merlin's Magic Circus. Mm-hmm. which was in the Lower East Side Theater. And we did that over holidays. We did lots of shows all over. But not what I had wanted. I wanted us to go on the road with the circus. You wanted to travel with the circus. I wanted. Yeah, you wanted that circus life? I wanted that, but hubby. I uh, preferred staying connected to NYU. You know, that, that wouldn't permit him to do much on tour work. Right. So eventually you guys split up. Was that one of the reasons it kind of, you wanted to travel and he wanted no. to stay connected to New York? No, actually it was more because we had in many ways a good professional life, but it wasn't one that could exactly go anywhere because I think that I wanted kids hugging. Uh, Really didn't want kids. That's that's usually a, a deal breaker at a certain yeah, point. Yeah, and uh, we both went to be in Popeye. The movie on Malta. Oh, that was what Roger uh, Robert Altman, right? Yeah, and as Robin Williams and uh, Shelley Duvall. Yeah, he Bill Irwin, right, was in that right. as well. So you all went to Malta. That yeah. must have been a real adventure. It was a crazy place. How, how long were you in Malta? Um, let's see, from December. 31st through May. Wow. That must have been a real hoot, though. It was. That was sort Although of like a... there were some bad things, too. Yeah, some bad... Some just because of the, like the situation. somebody, one of the people in the movie, fell and had to be flown oh. to a hospital. You know, relationships break up. Right, right. And form. And right. All kinds of nutty things happen. Yeah, I can imagine. I remember when the movie came out, and you saw a lot of physical comedy and a lot of sort of vaudevillian antics yeah. in the back. You know, can we see you in the movie? I don't remember yeah. it well enough to... I was there. I played a housewife slash hooker. All right. The housewife slash hooker. <laughs> Did you have a heart of gold or that wasn't, that wasn't part of your character? My alter ego. I see. 
I see. Well, wife sort of imagines that, well, she's in the gambling casino is a cute little hooker, and that was fun. I got to smoke what was supposed to be opium. Nice, okay. Stuff like that. Yeah, yeah so uh, uh, opium smoking hooker. This is going to be good for the kids, Judy, this, this particular episode. Don't forget, this is all make-believe. She's just playing a character. Right. Well, on, Walter, there was there were these um, houses on the set. And in one, you could get anything you wanted. Any alcohol or drug or anything. That was not my favorite place. No, but I'm sure there were other people but in the I cast, too. I did Amaretto Coffee. That was your favorite thing, Amaretto Coffee? That was nice. Yeah, they did have that. It was cold at night, and that was nice. That was one of those magical times, because if you look at it, and the people involved, and sort of the time period, there was that magical sort of new vaudeville uh, period that sort of started back then, the new sort of discovery of the circus with people like Bill Irwin and Hubby. And, you know, because the circus in America was not really that... Interesting. It was just basically Ringling Brothers and, and Circus Vargas. Well, it's interesting because Robin Williams had been a star juggling pupil at Orange Circus, pupil from Juilliard. Mm. He was good at everything. Right, so he was one of Javi's students who learned to juggle. Yeah. He was also a mime because he came out here to San Francisco and was uh, one of the first street performers. Robin? Yeah, down in what, Union Square. He didn't mime. Yeah. You know, not even I knew that. Yeah, there's pictures of him in, in white face. Oh, my God. Yeah. That was, uh, uh, I think, him and, even him and Robert Shields. I and mean, there's definitely some, some oh photos of God. him when he came to the Bay Area. Yeah. Well, what really surprised me is how nice the guy was. We were lucky enough to tour with him when he would do colleges uh, over a period of time. And I never saw him do anything that wasn't... Uh, what you would say, sweet. I know. Uh, nice, with the, nice with the people he interacted with. D- seemed very um, sort of had a dual nature, where he was quiet, but also was able to put on this very manic... And he was driven. Well, he certainly achieved he uh, great driven. levels of, of success. I mean, he, obviously... He was 40 times faster than anyone else. His mind was really, really quick. I don't know if that movie was successful when it came out, uh, Papa. I think that was it's sort of a... It's been more successful yeah. as a video. I think so, because it's also very visual. It's sort of something you can actually see multiple times yeah. and still sort of see new nuances. Now, when did the, the Pickle Family Circus, because that that's always been a Bay that Area. started in 74. 74. So what years were you married to Hubby then? I was actually married from... 70, I believe, through 80. 70 through 80. So what was, what was the genesis of the Pickup Family Circus? Did that start back east or did that start out here in... San Francisco. So how did you guys get out to San Francisco if you didn't want to leave New York? Well, we were teaching at the ACT Summer Training Congress. I got you. Okay. So at, we would ACT. teach all summer. Right. So you'd come out to the, the Bay Area yeah. in the summers. I see. So right. you teach at the university in the winter and then come here in the summers. And lead off and at the IJA convention, like in Eugene mm-hmm. and L.A. Right. That was a little bit, I think, I think L.A. was 70, 
was it 74 or something like that? Something. Yeah, I think it was a little before I had just learned to juggle. I wasn't aware of that one, even though I grew mm. up in L.A. The Pickle Family Circus, that became quite a, a, a Bay Area institution. Were yeah. you guys the, the founders of that? or Who were the founders of the, of the no, Pickle Larry Family? No, Larry Pizzoni. Larry Pizzoni? And Peggy Snyder. Mm. And so you were brought on to, to be a, do a juggling act in the circus? No, no, we were, we were never in it together. Oh, you are never in it together? No, I was Mark Shandall's partner and Wendy Parkman's juggling partner. And I did a Diablo double stick stage ball act with two young men who are sadly not with us anymore, Jay Lavager and Robin Hood. Mm. So, so you're part of the circus. Did you, did you become more instrumental as time went on with the circus? Because I remember you were pretty, pretty much involved with them when I met you. And that had to be the early, early 80s or something. I forget. But I always associated you with the Pickle Family Circus. Well, I joined in 82 and 83 I performed. And then 84, I went off the road, founded with Wendy, the Pickle Family Circus School, which segued into San Francisco School for Circus Arts. And that's where you still teach? Well, yeah, I teach at the Clown Conservatory. Right, the Clown Conservatory part of it. And right. that's actually, I'm going to go there uh, next week and yeah. do some stuff with yeah, plates. Yeah, yeah. We're going to do a little plate work and right. I'm going to do my tough love with the clowns. I try to go in oh, once yeah, a semester and, and crush their dreams. I don't that's think. That's my job. I don't think. No? No no dream crushing this time? I, I don't think you're going to have to. No? Because they're all, they're all talented. I and, think they work hard. Good. Good. You know, I like my clowns to be skill-based. I don't like, I don't like any lazy clowns. No, I don't no. like lazy clowns. So you guys formed. So you guys founded the, the the circus school part of it, and then yeah. which is now, like you say, has become the the San Francisco Circus School and the right. the Circus Clown Conservatory, right. which has a full time, yeah. you know, a, not full time, not full time, but has a clown program where people can yeah. come and study right. and and learn the basics of. Right. And that's and it's Sam, run now by Sarah Moore. Is she the Sarah Moore is the boss clown over there. She's the boss clown, and she's quite great to work with. At a certain point, though, you you had to stop your juggling career because you were having some some physical that issues. That was in the eighty seven. In eighty seven, that's when you when you. I did my last show with Ned Kelly. Ned Kelly, yeah, I know Ned. And Hannah Cox. We juggled to the Blue Danube. Okay. Waltz classical music. Da, 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 da. It was da, fun. It was. Da, da. Those are the actual words. And it was at Stern Grove. Oh, at Stern Grove. That must have been nice. On the, on the stage there. That was fun. So this is 87. Yeah. And But as a juggler, you're starting to notice... It was my last show. But it's because you're noticing some weakness or some, some well, issues some with... lack of coordination. Lack of coordination. And had you, had you been checked out by a doctor at this time? Or? Well, I had gone... Years before, because I had some hair loss. And the doctor said, neurologist, that I had paresthesias, which is a viral infection of the central nervous system. But because it was monophasic, it didn't concern him. Mm. Then it became multiple. And that was when problems were not easy to reverse. Right, you sort of notice serious symptoms. Right, aerobics helped. Because you said even as a kid, you know, you knew mm-hmm. something was happening, 
but you could keep right. it at bay by doing aerobics right. and exercise. I would jump up and suddenly run around the block, and I was fine. Right, because you felt something in your body. Like it was enervated or something. Like a weakness, and you felt like I could exercise through it. Right, right. But now in the, in the 80s, when you're, you're doing this juggling act with, with Ned and, and I think it was Hannah, you're all of a sudden feeling like this is, you can't, you can't continue. Well, I didn't want to, it was an easy act for me. Right. And if I was having problems doing that, yeah, I was in trouble. And as a juggler, that must have been, I don't want to say more difficult, you know, to sort of see yourself losing the skill. Did you feel like, like, why me sort of thing? As a juggler, why, you know, why, why should oh, anybody I have this difficulty? everybody. Yeah, everybody sort of has that. That's that, why me? And then, of course, it's, why not me? You know, some people get sick. And it was a long and very slow process. I got better working with this doctor in New York for a bit, but flying did a very bad thing to me. Flying changing time zone. Mm, right, so it's just getting but there and I getting back. I didn't do or, that. Yeah, that's too hard on your body. Anymore, can't do it. Yeah. I remember one time you were doing bee sting therapy, which to me sounded very... I was, and that was good for a while until I developed an allergy. To the, the bee stings? The bee stings. Yeah. And that would get in the way if you can't breathe after a bee sting. So what was what was your final diagnosis? What did they decide? MS. MS. Yes. And so it's gone to a, a sort of a... 89. In 89, you were diagnosed. Right. It's sort of progressed now, and it seems like it's sort of stabilized, though. I mean, as long as I've known you, it seems like you've... Mm, somewhat. Yeah, yeah. It's got a break-even game. It's a break-even game at this point? At, and... the, mo- at the moment. Right. And I know things. I could do things that would make me worse. Dietary stuff? And... Well, everything. I mean, if I really stayed up late a lot, if I ate absolute crap, for a year, that would not be good, you know. If I, I still do aerobics. I can do breathing and vocal exercises, mm-hmm. and I'm grateful for that. And of course, you still have, uh, you're still involved with juggling. You're still coaching. You're oh, still yeah. teaching at the circus school. Uh, In fact, you're my coach right. for an act I'm working on, which I think right. is progressing uh, quite well, if I have to say so. Yeah, you're an interesting performer. Oh, hear that? And that. I don't know if that's, is that in good? That, no, in Interesting? That, is that the best you can say, Judy? Uh, really? No. I'm looking for some no, flattery. No, that was wrong. Interesting. <laughs> the wrong adjective. It's not a complete snoozer. How it, about that? It's because you have this sort of dual nature. On the one hand, you can be funny, which is difficult. Speaking as someone who's done Clown Conservatory, it is not easy to be funny. But you've got that, and yet you have a serious side. So you you can go back and forth, and that's not something that most people are able to swing. Because I'm so deep, Judy. <laughs> I'm so very, very deep, as you as you know from our our weekly our weekly sessions. We 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 talk about many things. We our conversations range. Quite widely, from juggling to life. Well, to... you are. I think you are. You are deep, or maybe philosophical, or you have theories about things. You're curious about life. And we both and love to talk world. about juggling. I mean, we, yeah. uh, as far as like, you're very up on the the new videos and the new jugglers. Right, the latest, right. Latest. I, I watched one the other day of Alexander Kublikov 
doing the 10 yeah, ball multiplex, like from underneath. Crazy. And it's, that's one of the craziest patterns ever. 10 ball multiplex. Oh, shoot. Oh, my God. So what do you think? I mean, now what do you think about the current state of juggling? You see a lot of juggling more than you used to. But does that mean there's more juggling or do you just, you just see more? I think that juggling is a very fun activity and that more and more people are discovering that. I think it's been proven that crossing the midline and using both hands creates brain cells in the brain. Yeah. White and gray. And I've seen kids do better after they've taught how to juggle. Better like in school overall, yeah, you're saying? Oh, yeah. I think because it's a discipline, it's, a, it's an accomplishment. Yeah, it is. I don't think it really has to do with the, the increase in the brain matter. Because in my research, the, the increase is sort of the neural connections that have to do with grasping and catching. Yeah, right. But it also increases the, you know, the speed of the reaction time in those factors. Right. But a lot of people think it increases the gray matter as if it makes you smarter. It just mm-hmm. makes you better at grasping and, and it makes the neural connections work faster. Right, right. But that being said, I mean, yeah, adding it to a school curriculum, especially it's in place of some of the more dangerous things, would be pretty beneficial. Yeah. When you coach people, like, what do you think is the thing they it holds them back the most? Just basically, what do you say, lack of practice or lack of efficient practice? I do think practicing intelligently is very important. Practicing without having a goal or without planning it out is somewhat wasted. Yeah, I think a lot of people, they also don't don't build up technique properly. Right. Also, I'm more Russian in my view of training. The Russians teach people who are going to be in a passing act how to do five clubs. So when you drop down to three, you're pretty secure. Yeah, so they're working at less than their, their max abilities in their act. Right. Russians are all overkill. Yeah, they're all overkill. As, as far as technique goes. Yeah, and also in their practice regimes, they oh, tend yeah. to uh, they tend to do the six to eight hour a day right. route. I think about four oh, hours like a day is Sergei. max. Yeah, Sergei Natal. Sergei would always say, because we hung out with him, it's very good to practice when you are very tired. He liked to practice. When he, he liked to practice after a few yeah. beers too. I think. I know that was. Uh, well, Russians are. I know. Like that. <laughs> exactly. Because I remember uh, seeing him at a couple of times at IJ festivals and stuff. He was an amazing, amazing oh, juggler. Yeah, yeah. But I think he. I think that style is hard to maintain. It seems like guys who get up into their early forties or late thirties mm. with that style, it just wreaks havoc on you. That high numbers and. Like, look right. at Gatto. Gatto had to retire, you know, in his 40s. And well, Ignato had all that on graduating. All that skill? From the circus school yeah. at around 20. Yeah. That's when he was at his peak. I think his yeah. peak was like 1971, I think, because that's when uh, Paul Bachman made that video when, he, when they toured wow. the States. So. Well, he did Was it 71? Two. That's a long time ago. He wow. did two tours. He did two tours? Yeah, here the in the States. The first one of the felt form, and he did a beautiful job choreographed by Violetta Kiss. Mm. Right, right. The sister of, of course, Alexander she, Kiss. She was his coach. Yeah, she was his coach. And then he redid his act very dramatically, and he had a different set of props, a different way of getting into the air. Yeah, he always used classical music Numbers, and yeah. had those prop stands. He was able to walk through the rings and just, just pop them up into the uh, pattern. Right. 
Yeah, I liked him as a juggler. Not my favorite style, though. It was just too kind of straightforward. I like guys who are a bit more Bilauer artistic. Bilauer was good. Yeah, Bilauer was another strong he Russian performer. What do you see about like the future of juggling? Who do you used to look at now? And besides myself and my my new my new act, I, what do you see in the in the future? I like um oh his last name is List. Oh, Florence Lesage with the, with the hat Lesage. and the cane and the yeah. He's, he's it's funny. I brought him lovely. into a festival, and I was surprised how young he was when he showed up. I thought, oh, this kid's like 17, 18 years old. I know he's a delightful guy. Yeah, he's got a nice. He's got a nice act. And there with the cane. Now he's partnered with Marianne Du. Oh no, I forgot her last. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't and know. I'm not familiar with that. And she is. Picture this. Like George Carl with a hula hoop. Okay. Long skirt, long hair. So George Carl, the famous physical clown, who is short and dumpy. I know. No, but she manages to get her skirt and her hair and everything tangled up while she's trying to do a hoop Oh, that sounds funny. She's hysterically funny. Because I don't think of him as funny. Is he funny as well? Or he's just... No. No. He's just more artistic. She brought the house down. Oh, did she? She was on America, Italia's Got Talent. Oh, yeah? I'll have to look that up then. Yeah. What do you think about America's Got Talent? Are you a fan of that show? Mm, not really. Not really. Although people glom on to it. I like it. I mean, I like it you for know? what it is. I mean, it's sort of a, you know, you actually like the reality show aspect of it. It's a little backhanded. Well, the whole they, sort of... They diss variety performers. They just don't know anything about variety. Right, but they say things like, is this all you can do? <laughs> exactly. Come <laughs> back with a new act, right, right? And they don't ask the singer, all you do is sing. Can't you, don't you have any other talents besides singing? I know, they're, they're like that. And yeah, they don't realize people can make a living with one act. Like, they I, do one and thing. And it's like, okay, you get up there and do something. But I think, they, I think they're getting better. Because certainly with the year with Passing Zone and Victor Key mm-hmm. was more exposure than juggling had gotten, more positive exposure. Yeah, that's good. Than a long time. And certainly it's one of the few credits that still can sort of bring people to your show. Yeah, and I like who's that guy. He was, he's a very graceful juggler. He's got an umbrella. Oh, Kyle Driggs? Kyle Driggs. Yeah, I like very him too. Lovely. Yeah, I saw him last year. We did a festival together. Yeah, there's that combination of movement and sort of uh, artistic sensibilities. I really like what Wes, uh, Tony, and Patrick do. You know, the water on Mars. Oh, yeah, the three. Yeah, because that's that's state of the art. Yeah, that's... I kind of feel like we only need that. I mean, there's a lot of people doing that. You know, that style, that kind of like... I kind of feel like we only need those three. And everyone else should do something different. But uh, Did you like those girls in Berlin who did some grand club juggling club passing crazy stuff they're on YouTube they're I, I'm not sure if I've seen this. is that a recent one uh within a year or two hmm now there's some crazy stuff I'll email it to you yeah email it to me of course there's enough female jugglers like actually the the podcast before this was with Gina Schwartzman Christiani oh, yeah, she's lovely she's lovely and a lot of fun and a great person to hang out with but so I'm trying to get more female uh, interview. Erin Stevens. Erin Stevens. Great. I had her on my the podcast as well. She's fun. Yeah, she'll be at this uh, this festival this weekend. This is we're, we're taping this the oh. weekend before Game of Throws, which love is Matt that. Hall's. I uh, love that. Yeah, he's bringing me out of retirement to MC the show. So, 
Game song. of all? Game of Thrones. Oh, well, well, I don't know if I can get it right. You don't, you don't think you can get it right out there? I'm not sure. No? You don't want to see me MC a, a show for one of the last well, times I'd ever? love to, but... I'll bring the funny. I'll bring oh, the funny. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I'll bring my serious side as well, so... But on a serious note, we have to bring this to an end, Judy. Oh. Any, any last comments you'd like to talk about your, your life in juggling and what it's meant to you? Or, well, or a pitch for your services as a coach? What, how would I you like to end this? I think that juggling aerobically saved my life. Because I think that I was exhausted and aerobically totaled when I was working on the 9 and 10 clubs. And that's what saw me through. Kept you healthy? I staved it away. Yeah, yeah. Because you always said as a kid, the aerobics would keep it away. Yeah. Right. And then, of course, I met Gary Mm -hmm. and had Allegra. Yeah, your daughter. And now I have a grandchild. Nice. Annabelle, who will probably out-juggle us all. I I really am hopeful for the future of juggling. Look, who would have ever thought that someone named Florent Lestage would come along and think so differently about juggling. That's the thing. Whenever you think you've got it down, it's just another town along the road, you know, I mean, because somebody's going to come up with some great idea and they'll keep doing it. It'll never stop. I mean, even after no. we're gone and the, our juggling is over, new people will come and keep this wonderful art That's form right. That's right. going. And well, I, thanks. I love to be still involved. Well, like I said, you're still involved with coaching. You're still involved with my act. And if people want to get in touch with you, oh, yeah. we'll, we'll give your contact in the, the okay. final uh, closing that I do at the sure, end of these podcasts. I'm, I welcome all ideas, all people, even if they just want to bend my ear. You're always available to people, and you love yeah. talking about juggling and watching people's acts. So I encourage people. Yeah. I'm having a wonderful time working with you on my act. Yeah, and I think fun. within a couple more months we'll have it uh, ready yeah, to it'll to be show. Unique. It'll be unique, exactly, exactly. And that's all. That's what we hope. And you'll be a big part of it. It'll be a, a team effort. And when when I go out there and perform it, part of me will be with you, or part of you will be with me when I perform. Yes, and I absolutely. appreciate that. So I want to thank you, and, and uh, on behalf of the listeners of Drop Everything, thank you for taking this time and uh, the energy it took to talk with us. Oh, it was a pleasure. Thank you. So I'd like to say, once again, thank you, Judy Finelli, my podcast guest from Drop Everything. Thanks, Judy. Thank you. Thanks, Judy. All right. I hope you enjoyed Drop Everything podcast number 58, my conversation with Judy Finelli. Thank you, Judy. Okay, let's thank our sponsors, starting with the IJA, International Jugglers Association. Don't forget about their great yearly festival happening this year in July in Springfield, Massachusetts. Great special guests, great shows, and of course, a great bunch of jugglers. You can thank me by checking out my toys and books. I've talked about them on other podcasts, so instead of talking about those, I'll just say, drop everything, except when you're juggling.